Forge family, I wish you all and all your families a blessed Thanksgiving celebration this week. Please give thanks to God for our nation. Give thanks to God for those who are in the kingdom of God, who surround you with love, who surround you with prayer. Give thanks to God for our freedom to worship and call on his name in public. All right, Forge family and those of you who are scattered abroad, we look back at episode four quickly. That was last week, episode four of the Joseph story. And uh, that led us through the rise of Joseph from the slave block to head steward of Potiphar's estates. Four times the text said, the Lord, Yahweh, the personal name of God, the Lord, Yahweh, was with Joseph, and all he touched prospered. Next, we were plunged into the day after day, stalking and solicitation to adultery by Potiphar's wife. Joseph's response was respectful, but resolutely negative. God's name was at stake. Now, when we look at the false accusation of the master's wife and Potiphar's anger, we get the sense that the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguard, the national executioner, and the head of the secret service, that, that's Potiphar, okay? He did not fully believe the report of his wife. But Potiphar had to do something with Joseph. So it was not execution, it was not mutilation, it was not a fine. Rather, it was an indeterminate jail sentence. And that jail sentence is in Potiphar's own household in the jail, downstairs. The venue changed. The Lord's favor did not. Now please take a moment to review how Joseph set himself to avoid and then to flee temptation. Those are great lessons. And if you need it anchored into the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 to 13 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. Amen to that. All right. Let's pray before we begin episode number five. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Lord, we ask you, please, awaken our hearts, open our hearts. You are the teacher. Lord, And we ask you that, that out of these words from Scripture, we would learn, we would just hear, we would learn, and we would obey. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we begin this, uh, this fifth episode, I want you to remember that Joseph stood tall in the eyes of Jacob. He was hated by his brothers, but he was the manager. He was the overseer. He managed all the financial affairs of his father's little mini-empire that he'd grown up there in Canaan. And then Joseph is plunged into the pit, into slavery, also by the hatred of his brothers, but bought off the block, if you will, in, in Egypt, 
Joseph rises to stand as the head steward for Potiphar. And then Joseph is plunged into the jail, wrongly accused. Now, if you want to graph that, that, that looks like two-thirds of a W. You go from high to low to high to low. Okay? And so his life is not stable. It's not easy. Now, read with me chapter 39, verses 20 to 23. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's, Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he, Joseph, was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. So the fifth time and sixth time here, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. God is over all of this even in the dungeon. So in 1986, our, our youngest son, Ryan, was born uh, with Down syndrome. We heard uh, very quickly about a therapy that was practiced in Europe, not in the United States, but in, in, in Europe, called cell therapy. And it was uh, evidencing that it provided substantial support. It's not a healing, but it's support for children with Down syndrome. And so off we went with our whole family to Europe to start this therapy for Ryan. And along the way, we had some days in England and then some days in Switzerland. And in both those nations, uh, Ben, Darren, and Ian, three older brothers, had a chance to run along the battlements of, of castles and be in the dining rooms and, and see the weapons, the armory of weapons. That's what they were interested in. But unfortunately, there was a velvet cable that was between them and the weapons, or, or the weapons had been bolted to the walls and the kids couldn't get at them. And then they were, had the opportunity to tour the dungeons. And they saw the shackles. They saw the cells. They saw the implements of torture. And they would come back to mom and dad and say, Wow, do you know what's down there in the dungeon? Well, this is what was going on in Egypt with Joseph. This was a Hebrew boy, 17 years old, young man, who um, came as a slave had an accelerated rise to authority and power in the house of Potiphar. Now he's plunged into the dungeon in Potiphar's house. Now, in, in 1972, a man named W.C. Hayes translated and published an ancient Egyptian papyrus that had been discovered. And, and this particular writing dealt with the fact that in Egypt, ancient Egypt, in the time of Joseph, there were jails. It points out that the Genesis account about Joseph is correct. There, there, were, there were buildings assigned for, the, for keeping prisoners. It was a place of consignment. It was a place of sorrow. It was a place of suffering. It was a place of death. <clears throat> and then second, those prisons were governed by an overseer of the prison who had many clerks and scribes and guards. And um, in the case of, of Joseph now, 
because he had been known as, as one with great favor in the house of Potiphar, upstairs, if you will, when he's sent downstairs, the head of the prison sees Joseph as an immense asset. Joseph was literate. He could write, he could read, and he kept track and cared for all the prisoners and was elevated to the position where he ran the jail. And the Lord was with him. Again, all that he did, the Lord made to prosper. So here again, you see that fourth wing of the W, the rise. He goes from the pit back up on top. Great authority. Okay? He, he, has, he has great uh, uh, capacity now to care for people that are remanded into custody. All right, Ford family, we need to zoom out, get a little distance from this, okay? Because some of you personally, or your close brothers and sisters or family, or someone you know, uh, has been involved in a ministry time in church or in a conference where someone came, laid hands on somebody and said, you have the Joseph anointing, quote unquote. And yes, if that came from a New Testament prophet by Holy Spirit, yes, the Lord will rescue, he will position you, he will raise you to leadership, he will give you authority, he will bless your steps, and you will save nations. But, remember, people, Joseph three times has been plunged into a pit, into a jail, and soon into more jail. You know, he, he's left in the situation where he does not have freedom. Three times. First by hatred, then by being falsely accused, and then by being forgotten. Three times he's, he's back in the dungeon, in the pit. So you've got to remember who's in charge here. All right, but I'm already ahead of myself. So zoom out again, Forge. Pull back. You know, I'm sorry, so zoom in. Get, let's go back into the text here. Let's read um, chapter 40, verses 1 to 8. It says, Then it came about after these things that the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, that's Pharaoh, offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement on the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them. And they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night. Each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, of his caregiving thing, guys, here. Behold, they were dejected. Man, they're, they are just down. Countenance is down. They're holding their hands in their hands. You know, they're down. They're dejected. Verse 7, it says, Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house said, Why are, you know, and he asked them, Why are your faces so sad today? And they said to him, We have had a dream, and there's no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. All right, Forge, um, get two characters here that have been added to the mix. One is a cupbearer, 
Okay, the cupbearer to the king. Mind you, this is not a this is not a butler. Some some translations in English translated this, starting with King James, translated as a butler. Okay, this is not someone wearing um, a black tuxedo, stiff upper lip, white tie, white gloves, silver tray. You know, this is not a butler. This is a cupbearer. He is the in-house poison control system between death and Pharaoh. Okay, everything that passes across Pharaoh's lips has to be tested first by the cupbearer. And he's also the sommelier. He gets to handpick every wonderful thing that Pharaoh gets. And because of his presence and his trustworthiness, he's a counselor and advisor to Pharaoh himself. Okay, and in the, in the ancient world, that's what kings and emperors and potentates had. They had a cupbearer. Nehemiah was one. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11 says he was the cupbearer to Artaxerxes in Babylon. The second character that's introduced here is the baker. Okay, all breads and pastries and celebration foods that came out of his ovens, they were his responsibility. And the cupbearer and the baker had mightily offended Pharaoh. So five times in Hebrew, this word offended. It's, it's a clear-cut disobedience. It's misconduct. They had sinned against Pharaoh and against God, by the way. In verse 3, by the providence of God, that cupbearer and that baker are placed under Joseph's care by Potiphar. And days pass, because those men are in custody awaiting Pharaoh's judgment. Verse 5, it says, on one night, they both had dreams. And each man had an individual dream and an individual interpretation for that dream. So let me, let's go for clarity here, Forge family. Remember, dreams are from God. Okay? Verse 7, Joseph's care immediately spots the downcast faces and, and, the, and they say, well, our, our problem is we don't have anybody here to interpret for us. So in the ancient Near East, in those courtrooms with the emperors and the kings, there were, there were in the hands of the spiritual practitioners in that nation, and they were largely occult spiritual practitioners, okay? there were archives that were carefully kept of dreams and resulting interpretations, and they kept a track record. They wanted to know, are our interpretations really lining up? Are they working? And so there were dream books that were in residence with each ruler. But Joseph turns and says to these two men, interpretation belongs to God. So in parenthesis, you could say, and by the way, guys, you don't need dream books and all that dark juju to get your answers. Close print. And he turns to them and he says, tell me, please. So read verses 9 to 15 with me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me and on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And then Pharaoh said to me, 
then, excuse me, then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even there I was I have even here I've done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. The cupbearer's dream has a direct interpretation from God. And Joseph says, in three days' time, you will be restored. Your countenance will be restored. Your position will be restored. And then he turns and he makes a plea to him. And he says, as this comes to pass, as good things come to you because of God, please remember my plight. I was put into a pit in, 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 up in Canaan, and then I'm tossed into a dungeon here. And none of it is because I deserved it. Joseph is prospering. But he's not free. Now read verses 16 to 19. When the chief baker saw that he'd interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head, and in the top basket there were some of all sorts of baked foods for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, This is, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off you. Whoa. Separate dream, separate interpretation. All right, let's zoom out, Forge family. If you were told you had three days to live, you would pray. <laughs> You, you would gather every intercessor you know. You would repent for any known sin. And you, would, you and your family and those around you would discern, is this from the Lord? Is this unto death? And are these really my last three days? Fine. I've gathered my family and I'm ready to go. Or is this something that God will turn away? Now note, the baker does none of this in the text. All right, zoom back in. Let's read verses 20 to 23. Then it says, Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his office and put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But it says he hanged the chief baker just to have Joseph had interpreted him. That's not a good interpretation. That's not a good uh, translation of what happened to him. It, it's a better, uh, better interpretation to say that that baker um, received um, an immense penalty of death. He was impaled on a on a on a uh, a pole. That's a long, slow, agonizing death. And as it is progressing toward death, and after his death, the birds that eat carrion would come and pick at his flesh. Whoa. Okay, and yet, and yet, after all of that, the last line said, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. 
See, this wasn't forgetfulness. This was a this was a moral choice because, after all, this was a Hebrew slave in a jail who just happened to hit it, and he happened to hit it on the anniversary. That's another way to translate birthday. Okay, in the ancient writings, uh, in Egypt, it was the practice on the anniversaries of the reign of Pharaoh to grant amnesties to individuals, to companies of people, to ethnic groups. Uh, to this uh, and, 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 to, and to criminals. Okay, and so in this case, the cupbearer was restored, the baker was impaled. Okay, but the cupbearer didn't take into account the Hebrew slave that had given him the word. All right, Forge, and all you who are scattered abroad listening to this, please zoom out. Let's get, let's get some elevation on this. Get above the text here. It says, Joseph is plunged into more time in jail. And here's where the graph turns down again. Now, Bruce Waltke, one of the interpreters that, I, that I'm using, um, great, great scholar, he said, Joseph's ability to interpret dreams also gives him the prophetic ability to interpret God's providence. He, Joseph, he belongs to a higher power and authority than Pharaoh. All right, Forge, zoom back in. And such are some of you. You belong to a higher power and authority than whatever boss, governor, president, king, whatever it is that reigns over and around your sphere of influence. You belong to a higher power and a higher authority than they. Now, some of you have had a roller coaster life with screaming highs and breathless plunges, the lows that seem to suck the air out of the room. Please remember who it is that loves you and bought you with his own blood and who holds your destiny. Leave that pit behind. Look him in his face, you know, plunge into his embrace and wait for him. Now, lastly, we're surrounded by bewildered people. They do not know what life is for. And they don't know how to find God. They have no taste in their mouth for righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to introduce you to uh, Russ and Susan Folkler, friends of mine, who uh, years ago got themselves trained and equipped in dream interpretation. And, in, and they have, by the Holy Spirit, they have some prophetic ability as well. And they and a team went to the Alameda, uh, Alameda County Fairgrounds years ago. And they established a booth and they put a sign on the outside of the booth. And it said, Destiny Readings. Dream interpretation. And people who were lost and searching and, and, and trying to work juju. You know, white witchcraft, new age stuff, dark stuff. They would come in out of curiosity and they would be spiritually drawn to sit and let Holy Spirit read them. So obviously, those the booth was a thinly disguised opportunity for Holy Spirit to call out and to inform lost people that what God is doing in them and for them. 
Now today, Russ and Susan are part of Blazing Fire Ministry over in the East Bay, and they continue with that practice. You know, God bless them. They, they helped break through in the Bay Area in that particular way. So if you have recurrent bouts with the pits of life, and you have recurrent troubling, confusing, shaking dreams, come on, let's discover together what God is doing in you and around you and where he's leading you ultimately. All right, Forge family, I love you. We'll see you soon.